Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. ESPN has a wealth of soccer properties. In fact, the have the most soccer properties among broadcasters in the United States, and part of that obviously revolves around ESPN+, Plus, which, as you all know, is the paid subscription service that ESPN uses, and they provide a ton of content, uh, exclusive access to a ton of leagues and studio shows, and one of those studio shows is uh, Football Americas, which provides insights and to you know, soccer from around the world, but obviously it has a focus on the Americas and North America specifically. So the host of that is Seb Salazar, who's become uh, a pretty popular icon among American soccer fans just because Football Americas does cater to what a lot of fans have been looking for. So today we're going to go to a conversation that World Soccer Talks' Kartik Krishnayer had with Seb Salazar, where they're going to just discuss Football America's, uh, Salazar's career, and everything of the sort. So hope you all enjoy this interview, and uh, have a good one. Here with Seb Salazar, and Seb, you and Herc have started a show that was long needed in this space. It's, a, it's the type of show that a lot of us have been clamoring for for 15 years, that long. We haven't had a show like this uh, available, accessible, that covers all aspects of uh, of American soccer and soccer in, in Mexico as well. It's kind of the North American look, men's, women's, everything. Yeah, I mean, I think I've said this before, but it's really a show that is built around my interests as a fan um, and maybe the show that I've wanted too. like I'm probably part of that group that's been waiting for something like this for a while. Um, I think. What we tried to do is we really tried to figure out what were the tent poles of American soccer, right? What are the things that are the most important in our space and how do we cover them? Like, how do we cover them in a way that's um, different, but also will work on a platform like ESPN, right? You just have a huge platform. And so you have to make some calculated calls there. Like, is this too far in the weeds? Is this too niche to work on, on, on our platform? And I think through a lot of trial and error and just basically, you know, Herc and I kind of working in this space for the last four or five years at ESPN, we really came up with a formula that we thought would serve the American soccer fan. And I think the truth is both Herc and I are that. Like we were the kids who grew up, you know, late 80s, early 90s, early 2000s, freaking desperate for soccer on TV. Anything. A Dutch game on Tuesday on ESPN2 would be appointment viewing. And now we think like, hey, we're past that stage. We need to be covering our stuff, our games, 
um, in a way that our people will want to listen to it. So I think, um, you know, really what we were trying to do with the show was cover a lane or lanes that were uncovered, certainly together and certainly at like a platform of this size. Take us through the process of developing this show, because a show that's come together this well and has been this uh, this extensive in its mm. coverage and also this edgy, and we'll get into the edginess in a little bit, uh, but has been this this good in terms of how it's filled that space. It must have taken a long time to conceive and put together. Yeah, I mean, I think the day that I met her at ESPN, I think we both kind of knew we were going to work together a lot. You know, we were same age, coming in at the same time, both Mexican-American, you know, MLS Liga Mekis player for him, MLS Liga Mekis fan for me. And so there was always an idea. There was always a, hey, let's work together. Let's create content around this. When we do, it's good. People seem to react well to it. And so I think immediately we knew that like we would work on something. It went through iterations, right? There was the Max and Herc podcast, which I would go on quite a bit. And we had some good successes there and I think kind of started to fine tune our chemistry and, and, and the things that we like to cover. And as you say, the edginess, uh, there was the two on tree podcast when we went to the world cup and covered Mexico in English. And, and that was kind of a unique experience. And then at the end of 2019, um, I really felt like there was an, there was a need for us to produce this content, not for a show, just this content. I was like, Hey, we can do this. And so, we convinced some folks in the YouTube department to in ESPN's YouTube department to like help us. And, you know, so we would, you know, her and I would organize, Hey, what are we going to talk about? That, that pop up on the zooms. Um, and we started creating content and the pandemic hit. And so we started making more and more and more of this content. And at some point it got, we were doing it twice a week and it felt like a show. And so at that point it was kind of like, okay, how do we, take this idea for a show and make it a show. And you would think like, oh, you're at ESPN. Like you just knock on a door. <laughs> it's such a big company. It's such a huge you know, enterprise that it's not that direct. And so I think really what after we, you know, early 2020 by about April, we had done it. We'd proven that it, one, we could do it. And I think subjectively it was good, but objectively we had done it. We'd proved that there was demand, like huge demand. And so at that point, it became less about the content and more about the pitch. And for me, that was a whole nother process that I had to learn. I'd be like, who's in charge of what at ESPN? Like, how does this work? What do we do here? Who do we talk to? Um, and really, it was like, it was kind of a, like, like all things, a dumb, dumb stroke of luck. My wife also happens to work at ESPN in a totally different, like, part of the company. Um, but she was on a call, a, like, diversity and inclusion call. And they were talking about, hey, this is the kind of content we're looking for. And I had been, you know, talking her ear off for six months about how nobody would listen to me about this football America's idea. <laughs> and then, um, you know, next thing you know, boom, it was, it was like she put me in touch with the right person. I had a conversation and then the snowball became an avalanche and it was like within minutes. All right. Hey, within weeks, we're going to be doing this show and here's our launch date. I was like, Oh, here we are. One of the niches you filled is Liga Mekis English language mm -hmm. coverage. There has never been as much English language interest, English language dominant interest in that league as there is now. And you filled that niche in addition to a number of other things you've done to get into. But that's, I think that's a big part of it. Yeah. And I think that's, that's kind of another coincidence, but you know, that's the unique 
that's what makes Herc and I unique, right? There's a lot of people who could do an American soccer show about the U.S. men's national team and the U.S. women's national team and MLS and NWSL. But you're not really covering soccer in America completely if you're not talking about the Mexican League and the Mexican national team, let alone how they interface with the U.S. and MLS. But beyond that, they have huge followings, totally independent of whatever's happening here in the United States, but here in the United States. And I think being young and being Latino, the other thing that you really you know at your core is how many of us either don't speak Spanish or speak it second and prefer content in English. And honestly, Karthik, this is one of the things I'm most proud about of Football Americas is I made the deck for the pitch. And I don't, you got, you may, maybe this, this, there's a story somewhere else of a talent that went into, you know, on air talent who went into like, I was researching, um, demographic information. I was going through censuses and what, and I remember the number that I had was that 17 and under 88% of Latinos either don't speak Spanish or speak English first. I was actually shocked by the number of people during the 2018 World Cup when I told them you can watch uh, young Latinos mm-hmm. that I'm friendly with that I, that, uh, that I thought would be watching on Telemundo were complaining to me about Fox or, yeah. or, or talking about Fox's company. We can watch it on Telemundo. Yeah. I don't want to watch it in Spanish. Yeah, because they speak English first. They yeah. understand English better. They might speak English at home, but the their lives are in English. You know, they might be second, they might be first generation, but they also might be second generation, third generation. Like if you go into Texas, you have people who root for a Mexican team or the Mexican team who don't speak a, who don't speak a drop of Spanish and their, their parents didn't, their grandparents didn't, you know, they've been here for, for generations and generations. So I think that only like that understanding and knowing that, Hey, if we do it in English, there's going to be a market could only have come from two Mexican Americans who, who both grew up English first, Spanish second. And I think that was something that we said, hey, if we do Mexico, we do the MX and we do it in English, there's a lot of people like us. You know, there's just a lot of people like us. Yanks Abroad is another mm. thing that you've really filled a void on because you would have that plugged into bigger shows, shows that maybe weren't about an American angle mm-hmm. or worse, MLS shows that really didn't focus on those players except in occasional right moments. unless they've been transferred from mls yeah, right, right. Yeah. yeah so that's uh that's another thing where the audience is really taken to you guys because you're covering the americans who are playing uh, in europe liga mechies other places or some sort of americans all over the place yeah i think again like it's just a reflection of specifically mine but i think generally american fandom like you want to follow your guys if you're a fan of a national team like i always felt this with mexico i remember when germán Villa went to Espanol after the 1998 World Cup. And to me, he was like one of the first Mexicans of, of that generation to like land over there. And I was like, I remember searching for like box scores and like in Soccer America, like what did Espanol do? Was he in the lineup? And this is late 90s, early 2000s. I was really hard to find. But even in into the internet age, like it was hard to track your favorite players. Yeah, oh yeah. You know, now we have... Now, if you have every streaming service, you can watch everything, sure. But not, A, not everybody has it. And so I think there's some need for it to be all consolidated, right? And I think that's a big purpose that we serve. It's like, we're going to find you that Jordan Peacock highlight. We're going to find you that Brendan Aronson assist. We're going to tell you about Pulisic playing and not playing. And we're going to slam it together. So you don't have to do the legwork. You don't have to go around and look who played here, who played where, what division did they get on loan? No, we're going to bring it. We're going to put it all in one package for you. And on top of that, to your point, 
we're not rushing through to get to other stuff. Like it's it's our main lane. So when there's something about an, an internet an American player in Europe, we don't just mention it. We can actually talk about it. And and I think that's where you get into some of these like really interesting, dynamic, debatey conversations. Should he leave? Should he stay? Is he ready? Is he not? Like she ready, she not. You know, those things are are part and parcel of every convert like every country's soccer conversations your exports and so i think like we really keenly knew that and um we've done well because we bring it all together and then we give it the space to be discussed seriously yeah. I had that same experience after the 98 World Cup with Frankie Hayduck, mm. of all players. Yes, yeah, he went yeah. to Bayer Leverkusen, and I would go to the to the Barnes & Noble and pick up mm. Soccer America and see the box yes. score and see yeah. who he played. Sa- same exact experience. Premier League, we were getting highlights and games by that on Fox. But uh, Bundesliga, we weren't. Yeah. Uh, actually, I think the Premier League was the only league we were getting in yeah. the U.S. So, yeah. uh, same exact experience. You, you guys cover MLS and USL extensively, mm-hmm. so this is another angle where you've gotten into lower division soccer yeah. and covered it in a way that no television show has, I would say, since Gold TV's uh, show that they did on American Soccer Circuit 2007. Uh, that's another thing that you guys have picked up on. And obviously, USL is on ESPN as well. Yeah, I mean, again, when we look at the scope of American soccer, we, we're looking at everything. Um, and USL is a, a partner, obviously, of ESPN, a broadcast partner. Their games are on plus, but lower tier football is a huge part of, of the footballing ecosystem of a healthy one. And we've rushed past it a lot here in this country. We focus a lot on, on the top men's league, MLS, because it's what we've been told to do. It's kind of, I think as an American sports fan, easier to forget about the lower tiers because you think of them as minor league which is not what they are. They're not minor league. They're lower tier, right? Um, right. USL uh, sold several guys right into, right into right. Europe without yeah. going through MLS yeah. this year. So I think, you know, what I see when I see USL and the lower tiers, and, and even NISA, like we'll throw in some NISA stuff. I, I think I was wearing a Baltimore Blast like in North <laughs> Jersey the other day. I mean, I'll talk, we'll talk about anybody. And, you know, a big part of our top tens is I tell our, our production team, I'm like, Diversify, dude. I don't want to see five MLS and five Liga Mekis. I want to see everybody. I don't care if it's a college, go high school, throw it in there. It's part of the story. And um, when you talk about trying to get metrics and numeric success at a place like ESPN, which where it's so important and the number, the number for success is so high, um, and you think about kind of like, well, okay, so how do we get everybody in? And you think, oh, MLS is great and it's expanding, but it's in, you know, 27 cities in a country of 300 million people. So if we only serve those markets, and let's be honest, I'm not talking about Columbus, Dallas, and Vancouver every week. I'm talking, we're talking about LA a lot. We're talking about Houston, we're talking Texas, we're talking about Florida. Um, then I'm not really painting a broad brush. You know, I'm not really, I'm not, I'm just kind of painting one line. So I think. For us, USL is an avenue into all of America. It's a, hey, oh, you're in Greenville and you like soccer? We might mention your team. You're in, you know, wherever and you like soccer, we might mention your team. It's not, um, it's really about, and maybe there's something else about this is I've all, I feel like we may serve an important role to show in bringing everybody together because we're kind of forcing people into the same pool now who maybe weren't always in the same pool before. 
you guys cover women's soccer mm. really extensively, probably more extensively than any other show on ESPN, a weekly show at least. Uh, take us through that because I think we see shows that just focus on the men's game and they, they do a good job, but you, you've made it a point to really cover U.S. women's national team controversies and mm. WSL controversies and in a broader sense, not shy away from the hot topics, which yeah. are really hot in NWSL now, and things like ProRail and the things that affect USL's relationship with MLS, talking about that whole yeah. picture. So that's been a big part of your show's success. Yeah, the women's game is hugely important, I would just say, to me. Like, for me, my mom is the one that taught me the game. My first experience, like, watching soccer is watching my mom's over, like, 30 Samba. That was a team of <laughs> Samba. It was the first team I coached, and I was a nerdy little middle schooler with my glasses and telling them where to go. Um, and so many of the opportunities that I've gotten um, in my career kind of came first through the women's game, whether it was, um, I think the first time I was ever on a regional sports network was a WPS game. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was, um, it was at the old, at, this, the Mar- yeah, at the Maryland Sports Plex. Maryland Sports yeah. Plex, yeah. It was actually, I think, uh, the last game of the Freedom before they moved. Before they moved yeah, here to South Florida. Exactly. It was like their regular season slow. finale. Wombat scored a winner and they like, made the playoffs. Anyway, um, so... You know, I've, I've just had a long history in the women's game and being around it. Uh, and when you're around it, you, you do realize what a, what a powerful fan base it is, what an engaged fan base it is. And, you know, that, that there's opportunities there and, and a need for that content. So I think the show was, when we first started the show, we did have a discussion like, are we, how are we going to cover the women? Are we going to cover the women's game? Is this going to be part of our kind of a part of our lane? And we decided pretty quickly that we, again, just like you couldn't do an American soccer show without talking about Mexican teams and players, you couldn't do an American soccer show without talking about the women's national team, which is the number one in the world. Like, you have to include it. And the league is one of the best in the world. So, of course, we were going to include it. Um, and then I think that the kind of critical decision was, but we're not going to cover it differently, right? Like, if we're going to talk about Christian Pulisic and whether he should be benched or, or starting then we're gonna have the same conversation about alex morgan we're not gonna treat her any differently she should be benched or she should be starting but i think generally what you see in this country especially around the women's game is we don't have those conversations fans do fans do 100 percent. if you go on twitter you will see people but this goalie start this that that, that 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 but the media the media never wants to question the women's national team. Now, I get it. it's harder to question a team that's number one in the world, but that doesn't mean you don't question. And you don't question how they're performing at the club level. We had this in WSL last mm-hmm. year when a number of them went over. Some performed better than others. Yeah. And that's that's something that a conversation you couldn't have with some of the media who cover women's soccer. And I think it's it's important, right? Like, as all of these sports evolve, as, 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 as we grow, I'm not saying that like the coverage of women's soccer should mirror the coverage of men's soccer or men's sports, but having debates about players and controversies, that means people care. That means people are engaged enough that they don't just want to see the U.S. women win. <laughs> they want to see their player in the starting lineup, and they have a take on how the team should play, and they don't like the coach, or they do like the coach. And that audience, if you if you engage them, they're going to come, they're going to Pay your bills, you know, they're gonna come watch your show, they're gonna they're going to be engaged. I mean, if I was to pick one niche, I mean it's a women's soccer niche. Like you if you give them anything, they they are so A engaged and B, I think, desperate for the content, which now is not the same as it was maybe five years ago, the lack of it. Um but so I think I think in that regard we 
we decided we were going to cover the women's game. We said, hey, and we're going to cover it the same way we were going to cover the men's. And we're lucky enough that at ESPN, we have people like a Julie Fatty, you know, that we can call on, that we can bring in. And then the other stuff, kind of the, the off the field, the scandal stuff. Um, yeah, we're just never going to back away from that. We're just not. It's not my DNA. I grew up in a newsroom. I'm not. I won't like pretend I'm a journalist or I'm Walter Cronkite. Um, but you know, like there's definitely a news bone somewhere in there and we are not ever going to shy away from that stuff because for too long, too many people have. And I think it's in many reasons why we're seeing kind of some of the sadder things that we've seen over the last year. So I think um, we have this platform. It comes with a responsibility. You don't just get to talk about, trust me, I don't like doing outside the lines football Americas. It's not. That's not fun for me. I don't like talking about maiming in Querétaro. That's not that's not what we signed up to do, but it's important. It's more important than the games. And so we're not going to shy away from it. Like that's just not in our show's DNA, it's not in my DNA. And frankly, I think it's maybe for too long been in the DNA of like coverage of soccer in this country. You know, we don't want scandal. We don't want problems. You know, scandal and problems are bad for the people who are doing the scandals and the problems, but it should probably be bad for them. Yeah. Should, you know, they, they don't deserve the benefit of the doubt. And for those of us that point it out and call, and call it out, it's good because then it doesn't come back. And so, like, you know, all of that stuff at the end of the day, and this might sound like, you know, like holier than that, it just comes from a place of love. Like, I think genuinely, like, I really love soccer and I love soccer in this country and I want it to be better and do well. And I think Herc's the same way. Like we genuinely care. Uh, I volunteer coach in the inner city, you know, like that's a thing that I do um, because I care. Like, cause I, I want, I can't just take from this game and be on ESPN. I want the, I want like the future of the game to be well. So if I'm going to do that, when I go to my little elementary school across the street and coach, I got to do it on my TV show, right? Yeah. It would be in, uh, incongruente. It would be like, it would be weird if I didn't then use the platform to say, oh, but this thing is wrong. We should change this and we should change that. And um, I think we've probably gotten a lot of, not credit's not the right word, attention for kind of those things. Um, but I think genuinely we're like kind of doing it from a place of responsibility and love. Really. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. 
That's stamps.com code program.